0: We and Drunken outsiders are proper age to drink. We do not condone or approve of any underage drinking or any driving of sorts while under the influence. Please enjoy our episode. Tequila! Yeah! <laughs> you might need this one. this one. Hello, everybody. We're drunken outsiders. I am your host. I am your host with the most, Ryan. Well, I can't think of one that fast. And I'm your other host, Devin. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, to uh, offset the last few weeks of not so true crime, right? Yeah, Roswell. Alcatraz. I mean, Alcatraz, it's kinda of true crime, not really. Yeah. But today we're gonna shove you guys right back into the deep end. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna go over the harrowing ta- harrowing tail of Luis, Alfredo, Garaviro, Gobios. This is like shoving them in- this is shoving you into the deep end with three bricks tighter on each foot. Yeah, pretty much. It's like the bottom layer of the seven layer dip. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. I just got what you meant. That's pretty good. I've never heard that before. Thank That's you. That's pretty good. I just came up with it. The bottom layer of a seven-layer dip. It's that bad. So Yeah, to get but to get back into it? Well, oh, what never you mind. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What are you drinking? I'm getting to that. Goodness gracious. Woman. <laughs> Anyway, um, I've had a good number of stuff I need to, like, finish drinking. Yeah. Because we have this, like, fridge in front of us, and it's, like, filled with things yeah. that we've garnered over the last few weeks. So, I'm finishing off some of this Sunny D seltzer stuff that I had stored up in the fridge. You know, clean house, sort of. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, that's what we got. If you want a breakdown of the orange seltzer, go listen to our last episode. Yeah, I'm drinking Cayman Jacks, finishing off my big pack I bought. So there you go. Drink that two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yeah, somewhere around there. Alcatraz, I, I believe. Alcatraz? That was last week. No, that's... yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was last week. Sorry, your last episode well so. I had Roswell. the human text. Okay. Alright. Timetables corrected. Yep. We got this. Under For Alcatraz, control. I had uh, Bloody Mary. Did you? Yep. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Either way, <laughs> that's what we're drinking today. Nothing special. <laughs> Nothing special. So, to get up into the timeline right now, uh, Luis Alfredo Garubito Gobillos was born in Genova, in Genova, Colombia, on the twenty-fifth of January in nineteen fifty-seven. He was born to Emmanuel Antonio Geruvido and Rosa Dalia Gobillos. So, that was their names. <laughs> And he was the second child of seven. Seven? Damn. Seven. It's a lot of fucking kids. It is. Oh, for these people, jeez, it's too many. For anybody, that's a hell of a lot of kids. Well, yeah, for anybody, that's a quite a handful. But, I mean, for these two individuals, they should not be having kids. No. <laughs> so... In a lot of the stuff from Garovito's past, you know, his childhood, his early teen years and all that stuff, it kind of garnered from interviews that he's had with, you know, the police department oh, okay. kind of stuff from talks with cops. So it's like not a hundred percent trustworthy, trustworthy in a way, you know, but, but that'd be a great podcast name talks with cops talks with cops he just interview cops or something no like you had like two cops I don't know what they're doing but oh two cops are the host are or whatever two cops okay not a show for us then I don't know uh-huh. you know what never mind <laughs> moving on <laughs> so Vito claimed that his father was adulterous you know, yeah. I in one of the Do you? She sleeps around. He sleeps around. He was a uh, a drunk. One of those macho men, very strict. Hmm. Uh he was. He was very abusive. Noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. The first response I would think. Noise. <laughs> <you're abusive. laughs> nice. No, it's not okay to abuse kids. No. Or your wife. No. There was a bit of pause there. <laughs> I was drinking. <laughs> so yeah, he was abusive towards his kids, both physically and emotionally, and as well as to his wife. And he had also described his mother as a violent woman who gave him, quote, little affection and care as a child so she wasn't much better than Manuel yeah and then due to the conflict that was going on in Colombia they soon relocated to a oh my god C E I L A N C maybe I don't know why I'm looking at you. See, see I can't sound shit out <laughs> just by hearing the letters. <laughs> In the northern part of Colombia, where Guido entered primary school shortly after that. Mm-hmm. So it was... I mean... To describe the abuses a little bit, so as a result of Manuel's very frequent sleeping around and his drinking habit, Um, him and his wife fought constantly, like physically and verbally, Mm. around the kids at all times, whom they would more often than not completely neglect. Mm. Nice. Not nice, but... Hey, uh, you're going to say that (laughs) a lot during this? (laughs) It's (laughs) just... what I say? So he would say later quote that he had the misfortune of being in a family that spends time arguing, fighting and throwing words of great caliber. Ooh. Ooh. What were they yelling like supercalifragilistic expialidocious? <laughs> it's like the worst word you can say. Yeah. Emanciation. <laughs> <laughs> Emancipated, no. or emaciated? I don't know. Do you know the difference between those? No. Okay. We won't get into that today. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so at a point, he, Luis allegedly, said that he at one point been strapped to a tree and beaten with like with a machete case. Yeah. Which I'm guessing is pretty hard. Hmm. Some of them can be, yeah. Yeah. You're just, just like a piece of cloth. I suppose so. Pretty hard cloth, I guess, if you're slapping yeah. your kid around. Yeah. I don't know. But he was beaten with a machete case while strapped to a tree while attempting to defend his mother, whom I'm sure he was beating the shit out of. Mm. Manuel. Not Luis. Yeah. Which, his father was also known to beat her during her pregnancies. Oh, shit. So, there was that going on for him, too. That's really not good shit, then. Yeah. And they still had seven kids. They did, yeah. Seven kids. The guy fucked around a lot, man. I know, but still, beating a pregnant woman. thats pregnant. He was an asshole. Major asshole. And because of, you know, the violent nature of their father and how spontaneous it could come on, the kids would often run away whenever their father came home from work. (laughs) Nice. That'd be fucking weird. Yeah. Scary. He also speculated at some other time or another that his father that he would sleep in the bed same bed as his father like early childhood. And uh, he may have occasionally fondled him. Jesus. that's fucking gross. Yeah. Messed up stuff, huh? But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be around 1968? That. how old would it would be 11? I think that Gerevito had left school while he was in the 5th grade due to poor memory and his father's constant insistence that he'd work. Mm. Like, you know, provide for the family. Yeah. Sort of thing. But He's like 5th grader. I'm like, how the fuck do you expect a kid to work? Then it was about in 1969 that Gere Vito was... 69? In 1969. I thought we were in like 85 right now. No, I said 1968. Oh, okay. He left 5th grade. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking 85. (laughs) You tripping out on me here? (laughs) We're not quite to 85. (laughs) In 1969, a year later, um, Louise alleged that he was physically and sexually abused by a local drugstore owner. And devoutly religious neighbor that they had. And also a very close friend of Manuel's. Yeah. So yeah. So after all these, you know, abusive episodes, some point Guerovito began suggesting to his younger brothers and sisters that they sleep with him in the same bed, but naked. Think about it. They're all younger than him. He's like 12 at this point. Jesus. It's gross, right? And he said, if they ever refused, they would all go to bed. And in their sleep, he would take off their clothes and fondle them while they're sleeping. Christ, that's disgusting. That's yeah, pretty gross, isn't it? That's his own brother and sister. What the fuck? Like, multiple of them. Maybe. Yeah. All of them. I mean, I mean, not, maybe not his older sister. <laughs> I don't know. She's too strong. <laughs> maybe. Coincidentally, Esther, his oldest sister, is like the only sibling he was ever really close with. Because huh. he felt his parents, like, favored the rest of the kids over those two. Mm. I mean, I kind of doubt it because yeah. 'cause they're assholes. They're assholes. So kind of the neighbors' abuse of him would end, as he would say, after they moved to a town called Trujillo, Trujillo, T R U J, J yeah J I L L O, Trujillo. So it was with their subsequent subsequent. Relocation to the Chana. Jeez. Chadhooch <laughs> To the town of Trujillo in 1971. That Luis said that he became sexually impotent with female partners and that he was permanently unable to ejaculate properly. Just a bunch of pre cum or what? Well, it kind of just tells me he was trying to put in the light way. He can't reach orgasm with female partners. Uh. He was gearing more towards boys. And that ejaculate properly means he needed that bit of sadism to get through Mm -hmm. to it. Because that's what he said happened to him in these alleged sexual assaults by the friend of his father's. Because there's supposed to be sexual assaults plus, like, you know, burning him, like, cutting him mm-hmm. a bit. Jesus. Kind of action is what he says. That's fucked up. And so he would kind of make that interesting kind of connection between what he says happened in his childhood and kind of what we'll discover later in his life. Yeah. So, pretty much. During his teenage years, he was briefly evicted from his home in 1972, about a year later when he was 15 years old, after he was caught by his mother attempting to rape a five-year-old boy. That's messed up, right? Jesus, yeah. I mean, do you expect your mother to do in that kind of situation. Not kick you out. Kill the kid. Kill the kid? (laughs) Kill the little boy (laughs) that was being attacked? No, not him. Obviously her son. Oh, okay. She brought him into the world. She can take him out. Okay. Well, he then got home again. And then later in 1973 when he was 16 he was actually arrested by authorities mm. when he was caught in the act of attempting the sexual assault of a six-year-old boy at a train station in Bogota. Jesus. Bogota is like the capital of mm. Colombia. Uh, it's like a very popular area as well. So when the boy scla- boy screamed, he alerted the authorities who then arrested Vito who, while under arrest, said he... Okay, he stated that he only wanted to lightly molest a six year old boy. <laughs> There's such a thing as lightly molest? I don't know how you lightly molest a child. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you wanted to lightly molest him? Oh. You should have told that straight up, man. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we'll let you go. So, yeah, they let him go. Sucked he went up. home afterwards. And his father was angry. oh good you know why cause he wasn't home no he wasn't angry about the sexual assault he was angry that he didn't sexually assault a girl instead of a boy oh my god Yeah, that's the kind of father Manuel is so yeah with Luis's kind of inclination towards you know little boys (laughs) he was kind of causing this like Friction between him and his father, you know. <laughs> Jesus, fucked up household. Yeah. So pretty much, from all that stuff, uh, Luis would begin to suffer from symptoms of psychosis, paranoia, and deep depression. I wonder why. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> And so he began compulsively molesting both male and female children wherever he could find the opportunity to. And soon found out that he had a certain preference for little pubescent boys. That's fucked up. Yeah, it is. So, with that, I mean, along with all of that, so yeah, you'd start to develop alcoholism like... A good number of people from his mother's side and, of course, his father. So it's, like, not new to either family. But... Is alcoholism actually genetic or... It can be. Oh. There are certain factors that, you know, play into that. Yeah. But genetics is a good factor for Hmm. whether someone actually becomes an alcoholic. Not to say that's the big point, but it's one of the points that could contribute, Hmm. basically. So, and it's not to say that he wouldn't try and get help, because he did participate in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in about 1978. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, but... And the weird thing is, whenever he wouldn't drink... He's not exactly a stand-up guy, but he's, like, he's just your average dude, you know? Yeah. Other than his bad temper, yeah. he was other all right. that, he children. Other than that fact. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, he's pretty okay. Except you one know, other than <laughs> the fact that he rapes kids, he's an all right dude. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But... He often would become, you know, kind of violent with every job he gets, you know, mm. come in confrontations with his co-workers, clients, his bosses, like, sometimes coming into, like, physical altercations. Yeah. So he'd often be fired. And so sometimes he would, like, he tried to commit suicide a number of times throughout his life. Of course pretty much failed every point. So also throughout a handful of times throughout his seven the late these late seventies, throughout the eighties, he would get he would try and get psychiatric help, you know. He would admit itself into psychiatric care. The first time would be at a San Juan de Dios San Juan de Dios, there we go, hospital, and was repeatedly hospitalized throughout the spring of 1980, where he expressed the desire to die over a belief that his life was, quote, worth nothing. I mean, that's pretty hard for... Yeah. Normal people who have depression don't molest kids. No shit. So, they deserve sympathy. You always gotta work out, you know, that stuff. At least try to. I hope yep I mean in his case he also would never throughout his psychiatric care episodes divulge the fact that he's a deep sadist with preference for little boys yeah so that would not help him at all he would often be medicated for psychosis and depression but he would never get help for you know his pedophilic van- fantasies because you yeah. would never divulge that information. Yeah. And so he moved to a town called Armenia about nineteen later that year in 1980 after he got himself out of psychiatric hospitalization. Mm. He would often be, com- be given like a two hour lunch break on like Thursdays and Sunday afternoons which is pretty good. Yeah. Right? yeah two-hour lunch break, that's not all bad, considering. But, the problem with these two-hour lunch breaks is he'd often go find a kid and molest him or do worse. Fuck. A lot of times during these breaks, he would do that. But, Around this time he began a short lived relationship with a single mother and beautician named Claudia. Guessing That's he was fine. there for the kid though. Actually. You know the funky thing is in all this? He yeah. would have multiple multiple relationships with these like single mother types and he would be like a good father figure. Anytime he wasn't drunk, he was this good father figure. Go to work, treat the kids right, go to church. Hmm. That's what he'd do. But if he did drink, he'd go on a binge. He'd become violent, and he'd start screaming about killing his father and the rest of his family. Damn. So, yeah, if this man would not drink... Who knows what his life would turn out to be. He would maybe be fine. In a way. Yeah. I mean maybe not completely fine. He would probably molest kids. But he probably wouldn't be doing. The shit that. Eventually will go over here in a, a little while. Yeah. The real messed up stuff. <laughs> but because. He would. Have. Have. These constant episodes of deep depression, these sadistic fantasies, and is, of course, not helping bid binge drinking all the time, he began binding and raping children, of course, during all these lunch breaks, within neighboring towns of Quimbava and Calarca. Calarca. Damn. I'm not going to try and spell those names, but... And it was also during this period that he had emphasized had constant urges to molest children that he would encounter while he was at work. I mean, not exactly that he would do it, but he had the urges at any given time. So it began in late autumn of 1980, that same year, that he would start carrying around razor blades candles and lighters to you know facilitate torturing all these children while he was raping them fuck like the rape is constant these other things start devolving over time oh yeah and in addition to all that he would eventually remove one of his teeth one of his teeth one of his teeth, so he can more efficiently bite these kids while he's torturing them. The oh, fuck. Yeah. Which tooth? I. <laughs> what tooth? I just you I don't bite know. Somebody. I don't know what tooth makes him more effective to bite people. I feel like you need all your teeth to effectively bite somebody, like to hurt somebody like that. Yeah, but I don't know. He like removed one of his teeth to like be more effective in torturing. I guess maybe one of his teeth like to give an edge towards the surrounding ones Hmm. maybe I don't know because he got the corners of them right but that would be like one of the front teeth I mean you're Hmm. not going to remove your canine to try and inflict more damage because it's not going to happen maybe he just removed his wisdom teeth (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's it (laughs) So, following a lot of these crimes, he would start writing names of the children he would, like, molest in a notebook that he had. Damn. And the weird thing is, he would start praying for them, you know, while he was in his room. Like, every night, he would, like, pray for them. Like, he would beat his chest. The whole entire night, praying. And like, beating himself over what he's what he's done, in a kind of Don't ritualistic fuck. fashion. Yeah, he would do the. So he all had time. A remorse about what he'd done, but he still fucking did it. He he said he had remorse. I mean, yeah. I mean that's the point. A lot of this is from his own testimony, but yeah, I mean it would be interesting. If it's true. Then it's a bit of remorse. Obviously, and there's some kind of connection between him and his victims that would really quickly devolve over time. Yeah, but if it wasn't true, obviously, he's just trying to say that he has a sympathetic edge to him. Yeah, so he also said he would suffer nightmares about his own victims, that you wake up in tears before entering fits of hysterical laughter that he had remembered because of the pleasure he received from torturing all these kids. What the fuck? Yeah. So on 25th of January, 1984, um, Luis was put into psychiatric care once again for like 33 days following a mental breakdown. He was put on antipsychotic medication... And was referred for psychotherapy for his depression. But after. Was said to obtain a warrant. Uh, a warrant. he <laughs> yeah, obtained a permit to leave. On the 28th of February in 1984. And immediately fled to a town called Perea. Pereira. Pereira. Mm-hmm. P-E-R-E-I don't know why the fuck I'm spelling these names out every time. But he fled to this town, where he immediately molested, burned, and bit two children around that area. Like, over and over again? Like, two children. Like, probably one at a time, while the other one watches. Because he did that, too. He forced... If he kidnapped in, like, couples or more, he would make the other children watch the torture of one. Fuck that. And then he'd, you know... Go for the other one. And then he would take photographs of those two children and leave them with, oh, his sister. He would do that a lot. Like, he had these suitcases. He would take trophies. Mm -hmm. And these trophies range from, like, receipts that he had throughout the area, photographs of these children. Then oftentimes, he would take their toes. Toes? Toes. But this is the point where you just like molest and torture. He wouldn't really kill yet. Mm-hmm. But eventually, yeah, he would work his way to taking toes. Fuck. Yeah. So it's pretty much between the years of 1980 and 1992 that Luis was estimated to have raped and tortured a minimum of 200 children. Holy fuck. Yeah. 200? 200. That's that number. Jesus. Estimated. Not exactly proven, but... Yeah, but that's still a lot of thought. fucking kids. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of kids. <laughs> a period of which he had, you know, spent at least five years under psychiatric care. And he had attempted about, like, Several suicide attempts in that time as well. So I mean I, well my bleeding heart you know. No shit. Fuck him. I mean you should always find help. Suicide's not the answer. Most of your fucking 200 kids. He's, I was working my way towards that.
1: <laughs> Suicide's Daddy.
0: not the answer. But I mean if you're this guy then it probably should be. I mean, like, in Hitler's case, suicide was, was okay, too. Um, you mean, after he committed all that genocide? Well, he should have done it a long time ago, but... suppose. But his art career. Oh, yeah. Hitler's. Yeah. I think it's his... It's our career, like... No, not our <laughs> career. Like, I what? mean, sort of. <laughs> but... No. His art career. His art career, yeah. But his art career. Anyway, off on a tangent here. So, pretty much, obviously, during this time, wherever Louis stated, stayed, a giant rash of child molestation cases would pop up around him. Damn. But he would not be arrested. Fucking Columbia. But his first attempt at the murder of a child... Would take place on the first of October in nineteen ninety two. When he like spotted a young kid, that was selling, you know, like sweets, you know, candy, sugar shit, and cigars to like, cigars. Pass. Yeah, like candy and cigars to passersby. Hmm. This is Columbia, bro. Yeah. Not anything on the streets in the eighties, Or well, this is nineties, but ninety two. Yeah, that's basically the 90s. Yeah. So he lured him to this, like, local hotel area. But in the act of trying to, not exactly murder, but get to the molestation as a boy. Yeah. He was caught by authorities, which ended all that. Um, He was then, what he said was, he was hit on the head with, like, One of the revolvers from the cops. Yeah. Like multiple times. Then they stole his money. I think his wallet. Maybe his wallet. I'm trying to remember that. But one of his watches as well. And they just let him go. What the fuck? Yeah. So then... He would actually commit his first murder... Three days later on October 4th. When he killed a Juan Carlos... I think he was like a 12-year-old kid. 12, 13. How old is Luis at this point? Luis? 1992. 1992 from 1957. 35. 35. So yeah, he'd be 35. He would lure the... What? Nothing. Sorry, my bad. We'll get into that in a little bit, but um, he lured this child off to a secluded area where he would beat and torture and rape this young boy until he killed him. And the boy was found so beaten that his front teeth were knocked out. Damn. Um, There were severe cuts to his rectum and throat, and his genitals were severed. Oh my god! Yeah. No bueno. You. I forgot how full my beer was. You just spilled all over yourself. I did that a while ago. (laughs) I forgot how full my beer was. (laughs) So. Yeah. (laughs) I told you about the trophies. Is the toes? and the toes wait what was the trophies the toes oh plus photographs and receipts oh yeah basically so it was around the point that you know wherever he went there would be murders mm. kids would be dying and dying and dying but he, he's like a drifter you know yeah he would either work in one place for a short time or he would be going, like, one town to the other, to the other, mm. visiting ex-girlfriends, family members, all that. So you would think it'd be hard to track him. No. Okay, I maybe mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Because he's a drifter, and plus, what I failed to mention was, Columbia at this time was not a good place to be. Probably not. Starting from the 50s, it was pretty much a point of civil war until, Is like... Is it still a good place to be? It's getting better. It's, it isn't don't it's, they have a really high crime crime rate? Um, I'm not sure about that at like these latest years, but like from like the '50s to like two thousands, early yeah. 2010s, which was not a good place to be. Huh? Especially at this time. This time you had like unstable government. You had far right and far left. Militant groups, you know, guerrilla mm. warfare, yeah. wherever you went, child soldiers would be an often thing, you know, kids, you would either be shot or wounded in this basic civil <laughs> war. Or fucked. Yeah, fucked. <laughs> Drug cartels, obviously. Yeah. One of which would have been the Medellin cartel, mm. headed by one Pablo Escobar. Oh, nice. Yep. He was active during 80s. Late 70s, throughout the 80s, that would have been his time. So yeah, you had a, a lot of turmoil. Yeah. People just trying to survive. And kids would get a lot of the worst of it. There was a lot of orphans. There was a lot of poverty going throughout mm-hmm. Colombia. Everywhere you went. So often these kids would be obviously orphan, orphaned or impoverished parents wouldn't really be able to care for him you even have to go on to like child prostitution really mm. to pay for themselves they give their bodies to whoever would take children that's fucking disgusting yep there's nothing they could really do about it because they need the money not that they pay much anyway but it's something where they get taken, killed, anything. No one would really notice in those days. And then you add it on to someone like him who would be moving place to place to place. Yeah. Hard to catch. They could imagine being sexually attracted to a child. Yeah, I guess so. No way. These like Latin countries, sort of a masculine sort of. Kind of, you gotta be the macho man, you know, in it. So I guess attracted to little boys, I am not sure how well that goes. Oh, even little in girls. In society. I could never be attracted to. I mean, children in general, yeah. Yeah, fucking disgusting. Yeah, it is. No, no, I just meant children in general. I know, yeah. It's it Fucking disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. I'm not arguing with that either way. But yeah but there's not you know it's not saying that he didn't try and hide it because mm. he would often have like multiple disguises mm. to attract children <laughs> I mean at every given point he would like have a bottle of brandy in his hand I mean, he'd leave these bottles and bottle caps at the crime scenes yeah. all the time but he would often wear disguises School teacher, old man who needs help. And more often than not, he would disguise himself as a priest, Mm. like a real preacher man, and, like, get these children to open up to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, basically, going into his M.O. a little bit, he would often... Lead these children to like secluded areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like you'd get them talking about them personal lives, or him talking about personal life. Walking these great distances to a place mm. where no one would see it would, it's supposed to wear the child out. Yeah. So when he actually pounced on the opportunity to do what he does, they want to have their energy to run or get away from him. Yeah. And so sadly, whenever they didn't which was very few there's about four confirmed cases of children escaping him but of Mm -hmm. course out of hundreds yeah it's not good odds no he would often bind them or restrain them in any way he would of course molest or rape them and then during all of that comes The torture. Fuck. And that would include nothing short of lighter and candles being used to burn them while molestation happens. Um, cutting them, he would often have a screwdriver that he would use to stab it into the hands, into their feet, and into the butts. Like butt cheeks. <laughs> Beats? He'd butt cheek chicken. What? Feet? Feet. You stabbed their feet. Feet. (laughs) It was the feets. You stabbed their feet. In their ass. In their ass. In their hands. Fuck that. In their backs. You stabbed them everywhere. God, with the fucking screwdriver, that hurt like a son of a bitch. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's not even the worst part, buddy. So, well, he would actually also do that with, Um, like, broke, not broken, <laughs> but like, lasted, last, lasted, not very sharp razor blades. Dull? Dull. There we go. Right, like, <laughs> <laughs> I can it's like think lasted. of the word lasted. I don't know. Dull blades, okay? Okay. Imagine that cutting in your butt. Uh son of a bitch. But wait, there's more. What was that? Does that go? We're going. We're going full hilt on this. We're going. Woo. Okay. Well, everybody, this is the part where it truly gets fucked up. Yeah, if you don't want to listen to this. Skip ahead to 45 minutes and 45 seconds. Here we go. That ain't the worst part. This is so often, that would not be the least of it. Um, there were chances where he would beat and strangle, not strangle, maybe strangle, but he would stomp on his victims, often caving their teeth in or fracturing their bones, like ribs and all that. Sort of like the Michael Ryan James Thim kind of thing except this is worse because often he would also stick sharp or blunt objects through the rectums of these children and shove them so hard that they go through their mouths and then also on occasion he would disembowel that's right disembowel cut open the stomach intestines come out while he was sexually assaulting these children while they are alive. All of this mostly happens while they're alive. And then also, to end, well, to say first, these kind of tortures would happen in the lapse of a few to 12 hours. Very long time that he would do these to these kids. And to end it all, in order to orgasm, He would have to decapitate or slit the throat of these children. And also, he would cut off their genitals and put them in the mouths. So he would cut off their heads while their genitals are inside their mouths. And he could finally find his release in all this pain. And that was a large part of his killing method throughout these hundreds of cases. Alright, so yeah, basically... How was the rundown. Yeah. Wish so- I could get, Wish we could give you a soft punch, but... There is no avoiding this. Nope. You have to know what this man did to fully understand what well, kind of monster he really is. Yeah, basically the soft punch is he did a lot of fucked up shit to kids. There you go. That was the soft punch. <laughs> worse than raping them. What? Worse than raping them? Worse than. Oh, worse than raping them. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Rape is really bad. I mean, yeah. I I think rape is really, really bad. Yeah. It's up there. I mean, what he did, no bueno. Yeah. No bueno at all. Anyway, when there was a certain point in these latter years that he became, when he was weary of murdering kids who he felt were much too easy to lure. Uh, I failed to mention at a certain point that... Throughout the '80s, he started. He read Hitler's manifesto. You know. Yeah. Mein Kampf. Yeah. He loved the dude. Absolutely loved it. Loved Hitler. Loved his ideas. I mean, he was a smart man. He just did bad. He just made bad decisions. Oh sure, he was a smart dude. Absolutely, and he was obviously a mass murderer. I mean, yeah. That's a dictator. the bad part. Yeah horrible human being in a sense. But, I yeah. mean, smart. They usually yeah. are. Yeah, that's, a, that's the uh, shitty part. A lot of terrible, absolutely horrifying men are pretty smart people. If they would use your knowledge for good, imagine how good this world would much Imagine how much better this world would be. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Usually the people in charge are total assholes who don't care about anyone else. Anyway... <laughs> He said he liked the idea of concentration camps, Hmm. which was yikes. Yeah. But he also started emulating spree killers, you know, mass murderers. And he would often think about buying a machine gun and killing his father, then moving on to his family, and then eventually killing himself. So he began fantasizing more and more. Obviously, later in life, about mass murder, and you would think about kidnapping around several kind of adults and murder the murder them to attract kind of attention. You know, mm. that's the thing with mass murders. There's a bit of the component of getting attention yeah. for what they do. But before he could start anything like that, what? He would eventually be arrested for the attempted sexual assault of a 12-year-old boy named John Ivan Sabagal. In, uh, well, on the 22nd of April of 1999. April. April. Damn. 22nd of April in 1999, he was finally arrested. So, he would go on to, like, work with police, and he had confessed to murdering at least 140 children. Holy shit. And was charged with the murder of 172 altogether throughout Colombia. And there was a handful that he had murdered in Ecuador, even. Mm. He was in, like... Near the edge of Ecuador and Colombia. And so he was eventually found guilty of 138 of the 172 counts. Damn. And the others are still ongoing. Oh, so he's still alive? We'll get to that. Um. So yeah, he was technically sentenced to about 1853 years. Huh. And nine days. Oh, good. <laughs> Those nine days really add up. I mean, they really do. Pretty much the lengthiest sentence that anyone has received in all of Colombian history. Which, mm. the, you know, makes sense. I mean, yeah. For 1,853 years. But, however, Colombian law dictates that There is a limit on how long a person can be imprisoned. What? 40 years. The limit of how long someone can be imprisoned in Colombia is 40 years. And because Garavito helped the police in identifying bodies and finding them, his sentence was further reduced to 22 years. So he's out. Well, Garavito served his sentence in a maximum security prison in a place called Valle du Par in a part of Colombia of course hmm. he was held separately from all the other prisoners because he was feared that he would be killed immediately he would become eligible for parole in 2023 so this year when he is so he he <laughs> He'd be eligible for parole in 2023 when he had served three fifths of his sentence, but in 2021, a judge blocked the request to release Garavito early on grounds that he had not paid a fine for his victims. Well, no shit. Yeah.
1: So So he would have been
0: he could have been free this year. That's crazy. But due to the fact that he had leukemia. And cancer in one of his eyes because he had poor eyesight throughout mm-hmm. his whole life. I mean, when he was a kid in primary school, he used to call him squiggles. Because of his big old glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, at the end of it all, he could barely move and he was pretty much blind. And the fuck that thing is, when he said he would get out, he claimed that he would start his own political career... And advocate his own organization for abused children. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, wait. Is he in jail or is he dead? Luis Alfredo Garavido, uh Gabillo died at a hospital in Valle Dupar on the 12th of October this year. Oh, my God. At the age of 66. So, he just died. He died like, like a month two ago. ago. Huh? months ago. Two months ago? Two months ago. This dude just died two months ago. Holy shit. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. While battling cancer, all of it deserved. No shit. But this man is dead. He can't hurt anyone any longer. Praise the lord. All the children are saved. Every single one of them all around the world. That's a hell of a Christmas present. There we go. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Yep. So that's Luis Garavito. Damn. Child murderer who killed a suspected 300 plus children. Holy fuck. Yeah. There we have it. There he is. The man. The myth. The piece of shit. <laughs> you can see the legend <laughs> like Ryan Dope. <laughs> He is kind of legendary, because oh, if yeah. any of this is true, he's like the most prolific killer in all of modern history. Yeah, be be a basic human, or a modern day boogeyman. Yeah, pretty much. Go make your bed, finish all your food, and you know, all that work. <laughs> or Luis, Luis is going to get you. <laughs> what a horrible human being. Oh, no shit. There we have it. Well, should we move on to facts? Yeah. yeah. Get some lightheartedness in this shit. Get a lot of hardiness. Do you want me to go first, or you I'll go first. All right. So at any point in time, 0.7% yeah. of the world's population mm. is drunk. <laughs> at any given point? Yeah. 0.7%? Yeah, so that's like What's around point... 50 million. 50 million? Yeah. Wow. At this single moment... About 50 million people are drunk right now. And two of them are in this room. There you have it. (laughs) We are the percentage that makes the world go round. Yep. Was that you or me? I joked. I'm okay now. Okay. Like I said, before you really interrupted... (laughs) We are part of the percentage that makes the world go around. We make it happy police. Yep. Especially part of this episode. Oh shit. You need a beer for this one. Unless if you're driving. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Don't drive and drink. (laughs) Sit in a relaxed spot. You know, do what you need to. Drink or... As long as your keys are not not near you. Just don't listen in the car. car. Don't listen to this one in the car. (laughs) Don't eat food either. It's not good when you eat food. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to be eating like a quesadilla while you hear about children's insides. Yeah. Let's move on to my fact, though. Yeah, what's your fact? So, through all that horror, let's have some lightheartedness. So, Colombia has been a bad country to be in for its people in the last 50 years or so. But the thing is, nowadays, it's actually one of the happiest. Really? Yeah, Colombia has been in, like, the very top rankings of the world's happiest countries in the last several years, or at least several times in the last few years. Hmm. It was ranked as, like, the happiest country in 2021. Because they got all that good (laughs) kush. Yep, that's exactly it. (laughs) So, there you go, people. Colombia was not a very happy place, you know, in the past few decades. But hey, why not go there now? Yeah. You know. Have a good trip. Yeah. Colombia is one of the most diverse places in the world, actually. So, next time you go Colombia, think of the children. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Don't think of Luis. He's an asshole. Yep. That's our tagline now fuck louise yeah fuck louise fuck louise think of the kids well yeah go follow us on instagram twitter drunken outsiders drunken outsiders and if you have any kind of requests or any ideas you want to give us or you just want to talk to us in general i guess give us an email at drunkenoutsiders at gmail.com or if you click on our link tree there's a contact us button that goes straight to our email that's right Do that too, I guess. Yeah, it makes it easier for you. If It makes it easier. Yeah. Talk talk to us, we're lonely. Yep. We're lonely, people. Ready to go get another beer? Let's go get a beer.